Day, but you know, if you know Christ, every day is Independence Day, right? So, um, I'm going to talk today about Matthew uh, 5:13. Um, we're going to talk about salt. Uh, you know, today's salt in today's world, salt has more of a negative connotation than a positive connotation. You know, it's linked to hypertension. You know, everybody in the room has heard their parents at least once say, hey, whoa, 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 easy on the salt, you know, um, which is funny because my parents that used to say that now salt their food like this, you know. But, um, uh, you know, if you live up north, the salt trucks meant that, you know, either bad weather was here or bad weather's coming and stand by for the rust that your car is going to get on it. You know, just salt has a negative connotation today. Um, and because of this, we've, you know, we've developed all kinds of salt substitutes, and we substitute salt in, diff- in different ways in our food, um, like lemon juice on chicken. Who ever heard of that, you know? You can put salt on uh, lemon juice on chicken, and it's fine. Just don't put lemon juice on your fries. It'll fail bad. Um, you know, but in biblical times, uh, salt didn't have the negative persona it has today, uh, and there was no substitute for it. Uh, a, few, uh, a few important a few things that made, uh, made the importance of salt evident in the Old Testament was, for example, in Leviticus 2.13 and Ezekiel 4.43.24, salt's importance um, and its value is stressed when, direct, when direction is given to add it to all, of the sa- all sacrifices. So they would put salt on any sacrifice that they were presenting to the Lord. Uh, salt was also identified with purity. Um, in 2 Kings, um, Elijah used salt to purify a poisonous spring. Uh, binding, re- binding relations were established by giving a gift of salt, um, giving a, sh- a gift of salt, salt at a shared meal. In fact, this practice is still in existence in a lot of Arab, Arab countries. They still do that. Um, lasting covenants were made by eating bread and salt, or salt alone. I'm just going to stick with the handshake if you don't mind. In New Testament, uh, salt lost its ceremonial significance, but it retained its importance and value. Uh, for example, the Roman army would give uh, a portion of salt to their soldiers as part of their, part of their payment, part of their, their salary. In fact, uh, the word they used for it was salarium, and that's where we get our word salary from. And when I was talking to, uh, to Matt about this study, he even said, well, maybe that's where they, we get the expression, he's not worth his salt. I would, I would venture to guess that is where we get that expression. Um, salt's referred to in three New Testament uh, verses. And in each of those verses, it's referred to as how we are to be in the world. We're to be salt in the world. And it's one of those verses we're going to talk about today. If you guys will turn in your Bible to Matthew 5.13, we're going to, we're going to, go, we're going to talk uh, about verse, yeah, Matthew 5.13, verse 13, as a matter of fact. Um, you, are the salt, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I particularly like uh, the message translation that says, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt, to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this, of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will, people be, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will wind up in the garbage. We're to be the salt flavoring. We're to be, we're to be the seasoning that brings the God flavors to this earth. Um, so what does that look like? How do we bring in the God flavors of this earth? Well, I think there's three areas that uh, we can focus on. And if we focus on these three areas as Christians, we will be uh, reflecting that we will bring the God flavors to this world. The first, the first area we need to look at um, is, uh, you know, when Jesus refers to the salt of the earth, these are the three areas I think that we need to, we need to uh, um, put our attention to. 
Uh, the first one is um, in our speech. When, when we speak, I think that we need to show people who we are by our speech, whose we are by our speech. I think Paul gets, uh, gets his hands around this the best in, in, uh, in Ephesians 4.29 when he says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I want to share a story about that. Uh, the story starts as a couple of months ago. Uh, we were at one of Andrew's baseball games. And the story actually started the game prior to that. There was a coach for the other team that uh, went berserk. You know, bad language, yelling and screaming at the ump. Just a very, very poor example, role model to the, to the kids there. Um, he was ejected from the game. But the story I want to share with you actually was, happened at the next game. I was sitting in the back row of the bleachers because that's where the people that are serious about the baseball game sit. The parents that want to watch the game sit in the back row. And uh, I was sitting there, and the subject of that previous game came up. And one of the kids that was there, he's probably 14 or so years old, 15 years old, said to his mom, yeah, he was drunk. And his mom said, he was drunk? And, and he said, yeah. And she said, so, so you smelled the alcohol in his breath? And the kid said, well, no, no, I didn't smell the alcohol in his breath. She said, oh, then you saw him. He was at his car. He was drinking at his car. And she said, he said, no, I didn't see that. He said, well, then how do you know he was, he was drunk? And the, uh, the, the kid said, well, I guess I don't know. She said, well, then, son, what you're doing is you're gossiping. You know, and a typical kid, he was like, yeah, okay, all right, Mom. But I was sitting in the back row. I got a clinic on, on – I got an Ephesians 429 clinic. I walked away from that situation um, just educated. You know, the next time I found myself in a situation at work where you could see the conversation was heading towards gossip, I, I felt compelled to change the conversation, change the, so, the, the topic of the conversation. She, she, with her words, without even knowing it, she's probably in church someplace else right now, and she doesn't even know how she impacted my life. That's how our words need to be. Our words need to impact the people around us, not just the person sitting there listening to us, but the people that hear us. Men, when we talk to our wives, do our words convict someone who's listening, um, to talk to their wives kinder? Or do they condone disrespect? Ladies, do our words reflect respect for our husbands? Or is, or is, um, or is contempt com, uh, communicated? Parents, when a nearby mother hears us talk to or about our children, um, do our words set a good example for them to follow? Students, if your friends were asked, based on your speech and your body language, how you feel about your parents, would your friends, would, would your friends say, that, say that, they res, that you respect them or that you just tolerate them? Our speech tells the hearers whose we are. Whose we are. The next area that we need to uh, work on is uh, in our actions. Matthew 18.20, Jesus says, Thus by their fruits you will recognize them. Our actions or the fruit we bear, our actions, the fruit we bear are the, is the area that people will most know, people will most be able to identify whose we are. We need to ask ourselves, does our fruit show our co-workers that we belong to Christ? God bless you. Does our fruit show our co-workers that we belong to Christ? Do our families get treated as kindly as the folks here at church get treated? Um, what, when you're working on the computer, does it matter if your kids are standing behind you? 
You know, these are the things we need to ask ourselves with our actions. Um, when you uh, when you drive home, uh, when, when you drive home, uh, drive home from work in tough traffic, and it's backed up, and you're in a bunch of uh, a bunch of traffic, do you find yourself wishing maybe you didn't put the fish on the back of the car, or maybe praying somebody didn't see the fish on the back of your car? You know, I know that's an area that I struggle with quite a bit because, and I don't mean with road rage and being mean to people on traffic, but I will definitely let the traffic on the way home from work affect my mood when I get there, you know? So as our actions, do our actions show folks who we, whose we are? And, you know, while we're on that, I drive the uh, Heritage Trace to 820 corridor right there uh, in the morning and the afternoon. If there's anybody that drives that, if you're going straight on 35 south of 820, would you stay over in those left two lanes? Because I... You're, you're fixing to cause a brother to stumble, staying in that turn lane to the last minute, okay? All right. I got a couple stories about how our actions... I, I had a rough couple of weeks, and um, I was at a conference, and, you know, I had the opportunity to... I was with a bunch of people that I only see a couple times a year, and I had the opportunity to show them Christ in me. But I let my rough couple of weeks affect me. Now, I wasn't yelling and screaming and cussing or anything like that, but they didn't see a smile on my face. They didn't hear positive conversation come out of my mouth. What they heard instead was how bad my life was going. So I missed an opportunity. You know, I, tra- I conversed that with the story I have. I call it the, st- the tale of three ladies. Two of these ladies, um, they knew each other. They know, they've known each other for 10 years. They've, they've gone to churches together. They've been in small groups together. They've, uh, they've, uh, and they've worked together. Now, the third lady also worked with them. She was their boss. Um, so obviously the two ladies, Christian ladies, the lady that they work for, she's a churchgoer. You know, she's been to church. She's kicked the tires and stuff. And the boss had to call these two ladies and tell them that the department that they worked for and here in Dallas-Fort Worth was getting shut down and that they were basically losing their job. Now, for both of them, that meant a pretty decent income. For one of them, it actually meant an income and health insurance. And the response that this boss got from these ladies was, all right, well, thank you for letting me know. Well, no, we're going to be fine. Everything's going to be good. Nope, no, nope, we, we got it. Let, this is good. And the boss actually said to them, how can this not make you mad? And the response was simply, we don't have to worry. So what they did with their actions in a, in a, in a situation that was a little bit... Uh, chaotic, a little bit bad, unlike the situation that I was in and the way I reacted, they reacted with the kind of grace and the kind of actions that make this lady who's kicked the tires of church go, man, I could have that. How do I get that? So our actions are extremely important. Finally, we need to be salt in God's kingdom. Um, Marine Creek Church, this is an area where we've had much success over the past six months. Um, honestly, we've, we've done very well. Uh, we've shown up for the kingdom on Saturday afternoons in the heat to set this place up. Uh, we've, walked, we've walked the miles hanging door hangers. We've worked to fill up backpacks and shelves with food. We've sweated next to bounce houses, gotten cotton candy in our hair, and right, Allie? <laughs> cotton candy in our hair, and danced and sang in the heat of the day to reach out to this community. We've worked enthusiastically every Sunday to... Uh, every Sunday, and genuinely show God's love to each and every person he sends through that door. 
members of this church have gra- gathered at the Broadway Baptist to serve meals to, the, to those less fortunate than us. But we can't stop there. There's much work to be done for the kingdom. If you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. This is the ultimate, this is the ultimate um, charge for us as Christians. It says, that's right, teaching 101, wait till the pages stop turning. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to observe all things that I have, communicate, that I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is an area that's probably more difficult than the other two areas. I mean, if you change the way you speak at work, nobody's going to ridicule you. They might go, what's wrong with him? They, you know, if you change the way you act, if you start being nicer to people, or you start doing things for people, you start driving a little better in traffic, you know, if you don't swerve into that lane and blow through and swerve back in the other lane, your wife might sit next to you and go, well, maybe he's just mellowing out, but nobody's going nobody's gonna to judge you. This area right here is a part, is an area that, that's the most difficult. Being the salt for God's kingdom is, is the area that's most difficult because this is where we get out of our comfort zone. This is where we actually have to start sharing our faith, sharing our beliefs with the people that are around us. But this is the area that makes the biggest impact for the kingdom. Every day, we interact with different people. We interact with the people that God puts in front of us. And if they notice that our speech is different than what they're used to hearing, and they, and they notice that our actions are different, than, are different than what they're used to seeing, eventually they're going to wonder why. And eventually they're going to come and ask you what's going on in your life. Um. They may just ask you what makes you so positive. That's an open door. They may just share with you out of the blue a trouble that they're having because you seem like a good listener. That's an open door. Um, they may find themselves in trouble and just have absolutely nowhere else to turn. And, and because of the, the way that you've be, behaved in the past, spoken and treated them, they feel that you're somebody that they can, re, they can reach out to. It doesn't matter what form it takes. Um, when they come to you, the best thing that you can do is share with that person, that hurting person in front of you, the kingdom of God. Um, we do it with our speech by speaking to them in love. Uh, we do it with our actions by being there for them and making time for them. You know, sometimes, you know, these, these people will never approach you at a convenient time. You will always be late for something. When somebody reaches out to you, you'll always have a family reunion you're supposed to go to. You'll always be wanting to be someplace else because that's just the way, it's just the way it works. But when you take the time for them, then you're showing them the kingdom. And then um, we do it by inviting them here to church and letting them experience the love of Christ. You can't walk into a room like this and not know that there's something different about what's something different about this place. Um, we do it for the kingdom when we simply share what God has done for us and how He's taken us broken and bleeding, full of junk, and cleaned us up how he's forgiven us and make us whole, made us whole. We just share our story. You don't have to know this thing. You don't have to know this book from cover to cover to share what God's done in your life. You just need to simply 
Tell them what it's tell them what it's done in your life. You know, God God will figure God will figure out how to teach them everything they need to know. There's one caution here though. Anybody ever had a dish that had too much salt on it? Anybody ever got fries that were so salty you were like, "That's these are these are gone." He he wasn't talking about your cooking, mom. I'm sure it was in a restaurant. He shook his head and she looked at him. I'm sure it was in a restaurant. Um, just like salt for, the, salt for seasoning, there's a right amount for every dish, and too much will make it distasteful. You, in other words, use the Proverbs 25.11 principle. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. The key word there is fitly spoken. Um, we don't need to hit anybody with a Bible. Uh, Matt talked about just a couple, couple weeks ago. Um, it's up to us to share. It's up to us to share. Excuse me. It's up to us to love people and share Christ, and let the Holy Spirit do all the convicting. If we can bring them here into this room and have them find a comfortable place where they're loved, God will do the rest of it for them. Okay. With the time I have left, and I have a lot of time left, I guess I'm talking a little faster than I thought I would. So. Um, with the time I have left, um, I want to talk about uh, the second part of this verse. But if the salt loses its flavor, how is it to be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. The last part of that verse is pretty self-explanatory. Obviously, when, it's, when it loses its flavor, it's no good to anyone. So I want to focus, if the salt, on our, I want to focus our remaining time on the, if the salt loses its flavor. How do we, as Christians, keep from losing our flavor? Uh, during biblical times, there were two ways the salt was, the salt was uh, acquired. It was either, they would either get water from the Dead Sea, which has got like seven times as much salt in it as a regular ocean does, regular ocean as opposed to, as, as, as regular oceans do, and they would, de- they would evaporate that water and they, they would use that salt. Or they would actually mine salt from a ledge in a valley that was nearby. Um, it's most likely the second salt, the rock salt that they would get from that ledge that Christ is talking about in this verse because that salt was primarily used to fertilize um, the ground for, 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 uh, for farming. Just like we're supposed to, um, you know, by being fertilized by the word of God, we're supposed to go out and add fertilization to the, to the, to the, to the world and let them, uh, I have it written down way better than I'm saying it. It was most likely the rock, okay, excuse me guys, I'm sorry. Our lives will reflect personal relationships with Christ as we fertilize others, which allows them to taste the goodness of God. The way this t- now, the way this type of salt, this rock salt, would lose its flavor is, is through exposure to uh, moisture or temperatures. So they would, they would go to great lengths to protect it from the environment, from the, from, uh, from the elements. And, at, and that's what we need to do. We need to protect ourselves from the elements. And, um, and the way we do this... Okay, in the in the Navy, uh, and I'm in. The, for those of you who don't know, I'm actually in the Navy. Um, we have a term for a sailor who has a vast amount of experience, and that term is salty. If somebody, if somebody, if, uh, if you're a sailor and someone refers to you as a salty dog, your chest will puff up a little bit and your smile will get a little bit bigger because what that person just said about you is they they see you as somebody who has knowledge and experience. In order to not lose our saltiness, our flavor, we need to become salty dogs in Christ. In order to pr- protect ourselves from the elements that would leach the flavor from us, we need to gain knowledge and experience. 
and we need to do this through daily prayer. If, if you have an opportunity to talk to the expert in a field every day at will, you would do it. You'd pick up the phone or you'd, you'd send the email or you would go down to the office and you would talk to that expert. And that's what we get the opportunity to do daily is that we get to talk with the expert in the field through daily prayer. Uh, we need to come together weekly um, for praise. We need to come together weekly to praise our God and to lift each other up, to be here for each other. You know, I think that church happens in here to a pretty serious degree. But you know where church happens here? Church happens down there in that coffee house where that hurting person gets to sit across the table from somebody. Church happens in the hallways here. Church happens in the, when we're out hanging the signs on Saturday afternoon. We need to come here weekly together and just get lifted up by one another. We need to have strong, grounded Christian friends to hold us accountable. And not just have the friends, but give them information that they need to have so that they can hold us accountable. Tell them where we're struggling. Tell them what kind of help we need. I know that when I start to let these things slip, I get less salty. My speech starts to slide a little bit. I'm not as positive. Um, my temper might start to rise. I'm a little short-fused. Uh, and my focus on the kingdom gets a little fuzzy. And we can refer this right back to those two stories I told you, the one about me last week at the conference and the one about those three ladies. You know, I know for a fact that one of those ladies is, was, is connected all the time. She reads, she, she prays, and because of that connection, she was able to keep her actions uh, positive and upbeat. I, on the other hand, had traveled for two weeks. My Bible was with me. Conference days were 12-hour days. I probably didn't read near as much as I did probably threw a prayer up at the end of the day and went to sleep. So therefore, when I rolled into that conference, I hadn't been connected to the maker. So I just didn't have the, the strength. I didn't have the salt. Um, real quick demonstration. And we, come here, we, come here every, uh, we come here every week, and we... I should have tested this out. This is why you should not bite your fingernails, for those of you out there that are thinking about biting your fingernails. Who's got a finger now? Sorry. Thank you. No. That's why I married her. They, they, you ought to see him scratch her back. No, you shouldn't. Um, the, uh, you know, Matt's a great teacher. And we come here every week, and, and I, I honestly believe that Matt knows what he's talking about. And, uh, and I don't think that I've ever left uh, a teaching from Matt where I didn't walk out of here you know, feeling like I was a little bit more ready for the world. But the reality of it is, when we walk out of here after hearing from Matt, we walk out with about that much salt. You can spend your week putting a little bit of salt on this situation, that argument with the spouse, that deal with the kids. You can spend your week doing that. Now, I, on the other hand, there's been weeks where I've, like, I've like lost the whole thing just on the way to lunch afterwards, for, you know, traffic, arguments, or whatever. We can lose our... We can... Um, you know, we, so what we need to do is through these things we talk about, study, daily prayer, and, um, and, uh, and, and having strong, grounded Christian friends, we get to stay attached to the container. And we get to get a, we get to get a steady... You guys all thought I was going to pour it. I'm not. We have to clean this place up, you know. Um, we get to get a steady flow of salt that we can share with the world. Um, let, me close with this, let me close with this story. I owned a house... Uh, a few years ago, 
and it uh, had a water softener in it. And as the, as the plumber was installing the water softener, I went up to him and I asked him, I said, how is it that the water doesn't taste salty when it has to filter through the salt? Well, after he finished laughing at me, he explained to me how the water softener actually works. The way the water softener works is it's a charcoal filter that the water is pushed through. The charcoal, the charcoal attracts the other minerals and they stick to the charcoal. Then the pure water comes out and goes to the softened water comes out and goes out and comes goes out and into the house. When that charcoal filter becomes clogged with minerals, what happens then is the machine will push water into the salt, make salt water, draw it back into the charcoal and churn the salt water through the charcoal. Now and the reason this works is because salt is a very dense, very magnetic mineral. And all of the other minerals release from the charcoal and they attach to the salt. And then the salt is flushed out of the charcoal with the unwanted minerals with some fresh water. Okay, That's just what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go out in the world as salt, churn with the people that are out there, be attracted to them through our speech and through our actions, and when the time is right, share, to, share with them what it is that makes us so attractive. So that when we get flushed out to wherever it is we're going, we all know where that's at, they get to come with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity to come together, Lord. Lord, we've got, uh, got several folks from the church that are traveling this week. We lift them up to you, Father. We pray that you would... Uh, you would help them to uh, travel safely back, Lord. Uh, Father, we lift up this country on Independence Day. We pray that you would uh, be with our leaders. Help them to make sound decisions, Father. We pray that you would help them, help them to help this country return uh, to, the way, to the way it was, Lord, the way it was designed to be. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come here and just be in your presence, just to be here and just bask in the glory that is you.